0: Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. Today I have a new guest with me. It's Katherine Thomas. She is on the HR team at Zenium, and we are going to talk about emotional intelligence, empathy, compassion, all of those things that... A lot of people are talking about nowadays. So, Catherine, welcome. Thank you, Catherine. We hear IQ thrown around quite a bit, and we hear EQ, which is just another term for emotional intelligence. What are the differences between those two things?
1: So, IQ is something that you hear a lot about growing up, and it's I think what people used to consider the end all be all measure of how competent (laughs) you are, successful maybe. Yeah, um, if you're smart, you're going to be successful. That kind of thing, but um, something that we're probably very tuned to in the HR world is that your emotional intelligence, your EQ, can say a lot more about you and how you effectively perform and connect with people in the workplace. You can be really, really smart and have a very low IQ, meaning you are not very aware of your own emotions. You may not be very perceptive to other people's emotions. And perhaps you can have a really high EQ and a lower IQ, but you might still be able to succeed because you have the skills to connect with people and read people, which can prove to be very successful in certain industries. So they're very different and they're not at all related.
0: (laughs) I'm sure we've all run across those people who are like, you're like, they're so smart. They're they're high level of intelligence. You can tell that they probably did well in the SATs back in high school and they, they, performed really well in college, but they have no people (laughs) skills at all. They can't read emotions. They can't do any of those things. Do you find that there's a balance? uh, Most people have a balance, or do you feel like it's one or the other?
1: I definitely think that most people have a balance of the two. I think, though, that... What might come into play? Someone might be very capable of being able to manage their emotions or read other people's emotions, but stubbornness comes into play mm-hmm. for a lot of That's people. Me. So, so that can affect um, someone's potential, perhaps. But generally speaking, I think most people have a good balance of the two.
0: Uh, and maybe this is scientific proof. I don't. I'm not an expert in this subject, but IQ, EQ, are they different parts of the brain?
1: Yes. Something that I guess I hadn't really considered this, but I did do a little bit of reading, and I don't know where IQ (laughs) is developed, but EQ is developed in the last part of the brain that matures. So the neural fibers that basically make pathways and mature after years and years of repetitive experience, that's what develops your eq so they're they're in different parts of the brain they're developed very differently and while you can over years and years study as hard as you want your iq will have a limit um eq is much more flexible Hmm. um people can grow and learn and adjust their eq but they just have to be open to it yeah and you
0: said the word develop that means (laughs) can't be developed right IQ, maybe not so much, or maybe, I feel like like you can learn and keep growing from an IQ perspective, but EQ, to me, seems like you interact with a lot more people, you get to understand where other people are coming from, their Mm -hmm. background, then you would sort of have that empathetic view and really Mm -hmm. start understanding emotions a lot more, but it's until you start dealing with people that you can develop that people who are closed off Mm -hmm. in the books all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, isolated, they probably will have low levels of EQ is my guess.
1: Yes. And people may not value that. They might have grown up in a family or been um, around people who value their IQ more, their smarts more, and there are certain industries that don't value it as much. So um, it isn't really a factor in in their professional. Yeah.
0: I, I wanted to ask you about that. So... With if for me, it feels like as I was growing up, there's so much emphasis put on i q mm-hmm. school getting into college, even in college, I mean, everything's standardized tests, mm-hmm. whatnot, and very rarely did they ever test you on dealing with other people or working in teams right. and those sort of things, right but to me, it seems like in the workplace, those things are really important mm-hmm. however, I can think of like okay you're you work in a laboratory, you look you work in certain <laughs> situations where. The IQ is, you necessary. Know, very necessary. You're a rocket scientist, yeah. you know, those sort of things where IQ is very important, but you still probably work in, in teams in some mm-hmm. capacity. So do you think more companies are putting, as uh, it's a long-winded question, mm-hmm. but do you think more companies are putting more emphasis on EQ nowadays?
1: Yes, I definitely think so. Your ability to work in a team, whether it's in a lab or out in the field or doing sales, I mean, it doesn't matter what you're doing, EQ still is relevant mm-hmm. and people may not realize it, but the the difference between a team with, of people who have no EQ and a, and a team of people who have high EQ or are aware of their EQ is just very, there's a huge difference. And actually, I wanted to add, um, I think colleges are becoming more aware of this too. And it's something that they're teaching students to be aware of for when they're in the workplace, mm. not just, oh, here's what you need to be able to no, it's here's what you need, need to be able to do and manage and how you're going to do it. Um, I recently had a conversation with one of my colleagues here at Zenium who was talking about um, how her daughter wasn't getting into the school she wanted. And so they had a conversation at home about how do you measure success? Is it your test scores or is it your ability to build relationships and solve problems, and bring people together during stress, so things like that, not just organizations, but I think colleges are also becoming very aware of, so it's definitely a topic that is being discussed in society more in general.
0: And I hope that that is the case. What is emotional intelligence made up of? I know there's there's tons of books now Mm -hmm. written on emotional intelligence or EQ. What is really was the foundation for emotional intelligence?
1: What comes to mind for me with emotional intelligence, it's your self-awareness and your perception of others' emotions and your ability to manage your own emotions Mm. and manage your relationships. So there's actually um, two main categories, personal competence and social competence. Within personal competence um, includes your self-awareness and your management of your emotions, so Mm. self-management. Um, and social competence, so your social awareness of your surroundings, of how people are perceiving you, receiving your uh, emotions um, and their emotions, and then your relationship management skills, so your ability to manage relationships with those people that you work it's with. It's
0: funny because it seems like all of those things intertwine. I think yes. of like self-awareness, social <laughs> awareness. The way you described it almost sounds very similar, but the self-awareness seems like an internal, like, how mm-hmm. am I feeling right At this
1: moment, yes.
0: And then social awareness is how am I feeling at this moment, and how's everybody else perceiving me at Mm -hmm. (laughs) at this moment, Mm -hmm. or maybe on an ongoing basis, right?
1: Right. Or or what is the mood of this meeting right now? How are people stressed? How should I, um, should I bring up this question if it's gonna, you know, it's 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 reading other people. Yeah,
0: and it's so, so fascinating to me because when you break it down like this, you talk about self awareness, self management, social awareness, relationship management these are the foundational pieces to dealing with other people. Mm-hmm. And this is a poor word to use, but almost like manipulating it in a, in a way. Like it's not a terrible <laughs> word to use. Right. But, um, you're saying. but it's understanding how somebody else is mm-hmm. going to react to what you're about mm-hmm. to say or how you're feeling or whatnot and just mm-hmm. really getting a sense for the moment.
1: Right. I mean, think about how many situations... Like sales has to use yep. that, they have to read the client. How mm-hmm. should we send this message to the client based on how they're feeling? Um, and then, just... but it's line really line. like but
0: it's navigating through any exactly. situation,
1: whether it's conflict or it could be a positive situation. But it's you know, it's navigating those relationships dynamics yeah. between people.
0: And how, I mean, how often I could think of many situations where the other person has probably a low level of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. But you, if you have a high level of emotional intelligence, you're able to read the situation and probably get more out of the the interaction than Mm -hmm. if both people have no emotional intelligence.
1: Right. Right. Well, and I think about actually just... Heard a story of this is somebody that I know outside of work who um, was working with a client that was really frustrated with one of their clients and they're in the software industry. And so one might assume that that industry historically has not valued EQ as much. And so this client of this person I know was writing a, a really nasty email because he was frustrated with this client he had. And this person I know forced them to take a step back. Think about how this is going to damage this relationship permanently. How can you humble yourself? Think about why they might be reacting the way they are and just come at it with a very open-minded perspective and that save the client relationship. So in, in conflict resolution, sometimes you have to humble yourself. Take a step back. Not only analyze how you're feeling, but
0: self awareness. Yep,
1: <laughs> self awareness, and then the perception. The why do you, Why do I think they are reacting the way they are? What could be influencing them, and how can I make them feel like this is an okay situation to have this conversation? So, the, the words I <laughs> use to
0: describe how you just articulated that is somebody who's in a weird, you know, situation where most people get angry, and maybe mm-hmm. you are for a second. But somebody who has a low level of emotional intelligence is probably reacting Bef- yep. versus responding, Exactly. because they're understanding their internal, their body, what they're feeling at the moment, and then mm-hmm. okay, if I react, how how's the other party going right. to react? Well, I think the respond is a, probably a better way to articulate it because it's kind of coming full circle. Mm-hmm. It's, you're you're sort of understanding what it's <clears throat> what the outcome's likely going to be before right. you even
1: right. And, yeah, and and anticipating maybe what that person might come back with or respond with based on what their reasons are for why they're reacting the way they're reacting. So even if, you know, like, it's it's easy to jump to conclusions and to, if you're really mad at something, just, it feels good to kind of be mad before <laughs> you think about why you're mad. But it's okay to go back and think about, here's what I could have done differently here's maybe why they reacted the way they did and maybe i can go back and acknowledge that and you know it's it's one way that you can teach yourself to be more perceptive it's that's part of what those pathways building those neural pathways is is kind of training yourself literally talking yourself out or through a situation here's why i'm feeling this here's why they felt that here's what i'm going to do next time so it that's really what it is is building those bridges in your brain to Do that more naturally.
0: If you're going to describe somebody with high emotional intelligence, what sort of words would you use to describe them or -hmm. or what would they say or what would their um, attitudes be?
1: I would think open-minded, willing to compromise. People who are stuck in their ways may not be willing to let go of their own ideas, but the reality of or the the, pers- the the perspective of someone who has a high EQ is going to understand that they might be confident in their ideas, but a good team is going to share the best of everybody's ideas. And, and so that collaboration, I think collaborative is a big, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen job postings, collaborative mindset is so important in it and that feeds into the whole EQ capacity or...
0: Uh, that's a, and you bring up a good point. Like, you see job postings that say that. So, okay, if I'm an employer or recruiting manager, or whoever I am, and I'm trying to attract somebody that can work for me, what sort of words should I be using?
1: Mm-hmm. Collaborative, definitely. Collaborative, yeah. <laughs> um, team oriented, a problem solver. So willing to work, um, in trustful situations, but with the team to create the best solution. So I think I see that a lot. And it's interesting, you know, We were just talking about how in society EQ is being more talked about. We have uh, clients who are posting jobs. And I've noticed a lot of the language is starting to include more of that EQ um, language. So less, here's the program you need to know. Less, here's the financial information you need to know. More like, I mean, in certain positions that will be crucial, but... If it's trainable, we'll worry about that later. If you have the skills to work with our team and work in our organization, we'll get you there, but we want to mesh with you well. And that's all EQ.
0: I hear oftentimes that a lot of the great leaders have EQ. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is?
1: Because you have the best of, of both worlds. You can bring people together. If you're a leader, you're the face of an organization. And you might be smart, but if you can lead people, and and people will believe in your leadership, um, that's through those relationship management and building skills. Um, people will see you as more confident and will follow you. And hopefully, you have empathy for others, whether it be your employees, your superiors in other organizations, and your clients and your colleagues it's it's about people being able to look at you and trust in in your skills and they say that men and women have different strengths so women might be better with their self awareness men might be better with managing their their distressing emotions but a good leader is able to do both and people can trust in that and in in the end that turns into good leadership yeah. You can get people behind you.
0: I agree. I want to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, we, we kind of started broad, but I really want to understand, like, why people do what they do in a, in a way. You you turned me on to this great TED Talk, and I think it's from 2007. It's uh, yeah. Daniel Goleman. He had a talk on, I don't know if he called it emotional intelligence or if he just said empathy and compassion. I think mm-hmm. it was more compassion-based. Yeah. But he gave this example of how, I think they did this study where, Students would be going from one building to the next. They're late or in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And they stage somebody, I think, on the side, cho- like, bent over, like, having a health problem yeah. or choking or something like mm-hmm. that. And how most people, if they are late, I think almost everybody, yeah. they actually just go yeah. right past the person. Yeah. Why, if, why, when we're when we're in a hurry... Or feeling like we're late or whatever it is, why do we show less compassion?
1: Because we're being self absorbed. (laughs) We're we're worrying more (laughs) about (laughs) That's true, it's true. We're worrying about what we have to do, how it's gonna impact us. You know, if I'm late to class, teacher's gonna get mad at me, I might get a a poor score. That's what we're worried about. When in reality, if we stop to help the person, we'd probably feel a lot better about ourselves. That shouldn't be the only motivation, but You know we get caught up in the how we might be impacted rather than how someone else is being impacted at the moment or
0: in that same ted talk he talks about a lot of the activities that we do nowadays we're so absorbed in (laughs) Mm -hmm. that sort of turn off emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. what were some of those things
1: When you're absorbed in your technology, whether that be your computer, your phone, your um, games, your TV, we are no longer connected to the people around us. We are connected to something that is not alive. We are tuned into something that is just feeding this need for constant entertainment. But
0: I couldn't agree more on that. But We even need to be entertained. <laughs> but
1: we, we're just dis- we're disconnected from those yeah. around us,
0: as we have these phones and these laptops yeah. and tablets all around us. And you know, if we take public transportation or we drive in a car mm-hmm. together, we're around a lot of people, and we're absorbed in those electronics. Mm-hmm. We're not connecting with other people. We're not getting to getting to understand where they're coming from, right. what kind of people they are, mm-hmm. how they feel, how they mm-hmm. act. So, I think people who are absorbed in those electronics, I think yeah. what you're saying is they're going to have probably a lower EQ.
1: Right. Or, you know, they're, you know, somebody, anyone is capable of getting sucked into their phone. So, somebody might have a I high... I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might have a really high EQ, but you're not practicing it, you know, yeah. if you're if you're sucked into your your phone. Agreed.
0: Yeah. So, what are... We talked about the upside of EQ. What are the... What are the downsides of having low EQ? Mm-hmm. What What would somebody be, would they even know? I mean, If they have no self-awareness anyways, would they even know that they don't have it?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a paradox. Probably so. not. I feel, that, and I don't want to overgeneralize and offend yeah, sure. people, but people who have a lower EQ, I think often, whether it be at work or in personal relationships, miss opportunities for growth. If you have a high EQ, you are going to more likely be receptive to feedback and change, and you'll be more adaptable. Um, but if you have a lower EQ and something isn't going your way and problem-solving skills aren't necessarily your strong suit, you might miss an opportunity to grow or gain a new skill or a relationship, maybe mend a relationship. If you have a low EQ, you might put blame, perhaps, um, not accept responsibility. You might look internally and think about, oh, I, well, I feel this way and this person did this to me, kind of the victim, the victim mentality, as opposed to thinking about the other person and how they might be impacted in the same situation. So I think there's missed opportunities when you're at least not aware of your EQ. If you have a bad EQ and you know it, that's progress. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't know it and you know, you don't think you have work to do, then you're going to be stuck. You're just, Stuck.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. So what are some ways that, okay, if somebody with low EQ recognizes they have low EQ, mm-hmm. what are ways they can develop it?
1: It's funny because I even tried to look this up, <laughs> just how do you improve your EQ? <laughs> and it's one of those things where you really have to train yourself. Sure. You can go to classes, you can get a life coach, you can... Read you can a ton of books. You, yeah, you can make all those steps, but ultimately it falls on your lap. And if you're not the one holding yourself accountable when it comes to checking your emotions, am I responding appropriately? What can I do to make this situation? Let's say it's with a friend, one other person, or maybe a client relationship. What can I do to make this easier for the both of us? Mm. Am I reacting appropriately? Why, what might their insecurities be in this situation? How can I make them feel more comfortable? Why might they feel the way they feel? And it's just asking those open-ended questions, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. Mm-hmm. The more you do that, the more habit it feels. Yeah. And it's going to, you will see progress. You yeah. will see improvement. And even people with very high EQ, that can be challenging at times. So anyone and everyone can practice that in any given situation where you're working with people.
0: This is before your time here at any, but a while back, maybe three years ago, we read a book called the artist way at work. And I think there was a book originally called the artist way at work was more about just really understanding you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bringing out the creativeness in you. One of the things that you had to do, it was a, almost like a course. You read this book and it was like weekly activities but one thing stayed true throughout the whole book, and we did it as a group here, so mm-hmm. we really got to understand, like, how we all felt about it. But one of the things was, is called morning pages. You would journal, like, your emotions. You just mm-hmm. write for, like, five minutes straight, let's say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you would, you write down your emotions, how you're feeling. You can write down whatever you want. But to me, like, going through that exercise, when you have ups and downs, of your emotions throughout the day, throughout Mm -hmm. the week, you know, throughout the month, and Mm -hmm. it changes so drastically and, and how Mm -hmm. you're perceived by other people. It seems like journaling could be a really good way to sort of understand like how you're feeling. Yes. And then also take a step back and then see how maybe how you're feeling would impact other people in a way. So it seems like journaling would be a good way to a long, again, long-winded answer.
1: Yeah.
0: It seems like journaling could be a good way to develop, emotional intelligence.
1: I think that's a really great suggestion, actually, because journaling serves as kind of a mirror, a reflection. Sometimes you'll write something that you didn't realize you felt, and then you look back at it and you might think, oh, well, there was that opportunity where I could have done this differently, or here's where that situation turned (laughs) good or bad, and I need to do that again, or I don't need, I shouldn't do that again. Writing is like a mirror, so I think that's a great suggestion. Therapeutic. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be like a dear diary No. It can be super informal. It can be words, just words. It can be bullet points. It could be Mm -hmm. anything. It could be pictures. (laughs) Whatever you want. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: A picture of how I'm
1: feeling. Just
0: go Google (laughs) images, just paste a bunch of pictures in there. Yeah. So I want to bring this full circle. We've we've Mm -hmm. talked a lot about the, the broadness. Um, of emotional intelligence to give people kind of an understanding of what it is and how it differs from IQ. I want to bring it back to the workplace. Mm -hmm. So if, if business leaders are really wanting to bring in and develop people with Mm -hmm. emotional, high emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. and let's say they did that, they accomplished that, they have Mm -hmm. a bunch of people in the organization that have emotional, high emotional intelligence, hopefully high IQ as well. (laughs) Um, what, how, how does that business act? What is, how does it, What does it feel like to work there? What do the people act like when you have a bunch of people Mm -hmm. with high emotional
1: intelligence? I think happy comes to mind. It's a happy workplace because if you know your colleagues have a high EQ, they probably have good problem-solving skills and can manage their stress well so that you can actually rely on them to accomplish something instead of getting stressed out and just panicking people are going to trust each other more they can rely on the relationships they've built with people to be collaborative come up with new ideas i think innovation comes out of people that are able to work together so presenting new ideas forming t- task forces to bring new deliverables or whatever the company whatever is relevant to the company you know here is anyone be deliverables and new new procedures and I think that innovation comes out of those those good, hearty relationships that can endure stress together, solve problems, and innovation comes out of that. So I think that leads to a happy workplace.
0: I agree. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Catherine, thanks for joining the podcast. Really appreciate it. It was a really fun discussion.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.